Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here on The Reef Talk. I thank each and every one of you very much for joining in here on this week. A lot of people have actually been reaching out to me on uh, various of my platforms, being Instagram and my YouTube channel, both of them, Eat Sleep Reef, and saying, hey, man, I really miss you uh, doing the podcast. You know, I love listening to it when I'm on my way to work, I commute a lot, or even when I'm just doing a water change. And to be honest, guys, just life has gotten... Um, a hold of me, you know, as it happens to a lot of us in life, just does what it does in a good way. So I'm here, you know, figure what better time to start it than today. It's never too late to start it all over again. Uh, so, yeah, I'm hoping to be releasing at least every two weeks a new podcast. I'm going to try my best every week. Uh, but again, I get very occupied and, you know, now with doing uh, my best to bring out two YouTube videos a week, it really, really takes uh, quite a bit of time. So, yeah, I guess I'm going to try my best to pump out at least every other week a new podcast, so two a month, you know, to keep it uh, keep it kind of simple for me, uh, as well as deliver great content for you guys. So in this week, what we are going to be talking about is a few new products that have been released, uh, maybe some new talks that you've heard um, on, on products out there. And obviously, we are in 2020, so uh, we haven't had much new products release. I mean, there is a few that I'll be covering. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of trying to think of what new products have come out that I think a lot of people are talking about. Uh, two of those products being really, uh, actually, yeah, about two two or three of them, obviously, uh, Neptune Trident did finally end up releasing the Trident uh, system, the Trident tester for calcium, alkalinity, and magnesium. I personally haven't tried it, so I can't say good or bad about it. Uh, but again, for the apex uh, fan people those are out you're able to purchase them um, and so far what i've been reading it's, it's doing a pretty good job uh, me personally i ended up going with a, a khd cage director from uh, ghl that's another controller company and i've actually been running that for a while and believe it or not guys uh, automatic water tester will change your life completely uh, there's a lot of people that say oh i still like doing my water test because it you know, allows me to be more involved in my tank. Um, you know, it, it allows me to feel like I'm taking care of it, whatever the case is. But I think any way you try to cut this pie, that it's hard to argue of how nice an automatic water tester is for your reef tank. It allows you to really keep it as stable as possible. And I'm actually using it in a different way. Uh, a lot of people will say, well, you know what, I don't want an automatic water tester because I don't want it making adjustments for me. Well, that's something you have the option of doing. At least with the KHD, like myself, you're able to run the water tester, have it perform, you know, up anywhere from zero to 24 tests in a day. And you're allowed, you're allowed to not allow the system to make a change in alkalinity. So in my scenario, I'm running it and I just kind of monitor it. I'm looking over it. It's essentially like having a heartbeat monitor just to tell you what exactly is going on uh, with the reef tank. I think if anything, these automatic test uh, testers have allowed us to become more connected with our reef tanks. And if we're really serious about chasing stability, I think it's going to become one of those essential tools for anyone that has a reef tank, you know, unless you're doing weekly or bi-weekly water changes religiously and you don't have any high demand corals as far as alkalinity, calcium, and magnesium consumption, you should be okay to not uh, get away without one. One thing and one reason why I didn't go with the Apex is because 
to have the Apex, you need to buy the whole uh, the whole test uh, the whole test uh, system, not the test system, the whole controller. So that and it wasn't really a cost factor for me. It's just I don't have the space. If you guys have seen my uh, 50 gallon mode aquarium, the sump literally takes up the whole bottom of the stand. So there's absolutely no space to run any equipment inside. Um, so yeah, I, I had to find myself a controller that was standalone. So a lot of people were actually, and while we're on this topic, a lot of people were talking about the Mindstream. If you guys didn't uh, see what the Mindstream is, you can, I'm sure you can Google it as soon as we're done here at this podcast. But the Mindstream itself was a, it tested like six or seven parameters. To be dead honest with you, I, I forgot them. Um, all right now it was, it was nitrate. Sorry, you know I believe it was it was nitrate. It was calcium, alkalinity, magnesium. I don't know if it was phosphate, nitrate, uh, strontium. Like it was, I think eight parameters, and it was doing all this without any reagent whatsoever. Uh, there was no water being wasted. No, it, it was very cool how I was doing it, um, and it was a. a I think it was released about, not released, but it was talked about on a Kickstarter when it launched about four, up anywhere from four to six years ago. So it, it's been a long time in the making. And that was one I was considering, but I think it was last month, Mindstream announced that they're, the company's shutting down. So it really sucks for the people that invested $1,000 on the system. Yeah, who knows if they're going to be able to get the replacement discs that you have to get on a monthly basis they may have just thrown away a thousand bucks, which really sucks, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, if a company's shutting down, a company's shutting down, there's really nothing you can do. So in that, the, the, in doing more research, I saw the GHL had the KHD, which is, was a hundred and still is a hundred percent standalone unit. It needs no other controller. I mean, you can have another brand controller if you wish, you can have no controller if you wish and be able to run a KHD. So again, I've been running this for about a month and a half and I've been beyond happy. There's nothing like every day being able to see where your alkalinity is at. Um, and honestly, I've gotten to the point where I trust this so much where I wouldn't have a problem allowing it to make um, alkalinity changes for me. For instance, if one day a test is made and alkalinity is a little bit too high, guess what? It, it slightly drops the, the, the dosage to obviously lower the alkalinity. And same if it's uh, if it's too low. If one day it does a test and the alkalinity is too low, obviously what it'll do at that time it'll increase the alkalinity to um, to bring the 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 levels up. So again, I feel more than confident in trusting it. Um, you know, I would trust it doing that. And it's probably something I'm gonna do in the near future. Uh, what else? What else? So yeah, um, those are a, a few products that were quietly talked about um, a lot of people were talking but another one that's very cool is actually already released as a pre-order with the same company ghl released the ion director so the ion director again the khd test only alkalinity okay the ion director tests calcium magnesium potassium stronium and nitrate all five of those parameters wait it gets better it gets a lot better so it tests all five of these parameters using zero, you heard right, zero reagent. There's no reagent. It's tested in an ionic level, I believe. It's, it's through ions. It's measuring ions in the water. It blows my mind. Obviously, I'm not a scientist in any way, shape, or form. 
but it's really cool, really cool to see. I actually can't wait to get my hands on it and really give you guys a review and my thoughts on that is. I think it's going to be a big game changer for everyone. It, it's really going to be a way to essentially keep a pulse, a heartbeat pulse on your reef tank and know exactly what it's doing. And you can probably see stuff begin to transpire before it actually heads south. So it's going to be really good to keep a pulse on your system. More importantly, again, if you're really, truly trying to achieve stability, it's going to be a great, great piece and great pieces of equipment to own. Um, there is a fine line, though, and I share this with everybody all the time. Even with with um, with all these automatic testers, you have to be very careful not to play God too much. You know, you kind of got to let the tank do its thing. Uh, you know, if the parameters fluctuate within margin, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Uh, because you can also have an issue if you're really trying to hold a steady number and you're, you're making adjustments to hold that steady number. You can essentially also piss off the system. So there is going to be a fine line. There is going to be a learning curve. But again, I can surely talk about that um, in the near future. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to quickly run down any other new products that uh, that people had uh had been talking about i'm trying to see here yeah there really isn't any i mean uh, um, aqua illumination did release their uh, newer generation of lights i forget the exact numbering of them but they released them supposed to be more power better par better spread um, so on and so forth but again i haven't been able to run those no real new circulation pumps that i've heard uh, the ones i'm running right now on my specific new build is the nero fives um, i've actually been really happy with the nero fives guys i've I've uh, ran a lot of pumps in my previous 45 gallon. I ran the, what did I start out? I started out with a gyre, then I went to an MP10, then I think I went back to a gyre, then I ran JBOs, uh, PP4s, I believe, and PP8s, and then I went with the newer generation of the gyre. Oh, and then at the very end, I did run the Nero 5. So I've been able to run pretty much at least the most popular. Uh, branded wave makers out on the market so i can really say that um you know i've ran you know the best of the best and can kind of get a really good idea of how they work and what i tell people it's very hard to argue the performance of a gyre the way that thing moves flow and the way it creates that laminar flow there's no other pump that'll even come close on its performance in that department and the way it's able to move so much water uh, through the whole top or the whole back, depending on how you have it oriented. Uh, what I always tell people, if you have a big tank bigger than, I would at least say three feet, I really, 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 really recommend gyres. Two of them on, on, on something bigger than three feet will do amazing. Then MP10s, a lot of people ask me to compare, you know, an MP10 to a Nero 5. And again, I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it honest. Personally, if you asked me, I see no need for an MP10 only if you're a person that absolutely must have the wires outside of the tank. If that's your main reason, sorry, if that's one of the things that your pump must have, then obviously you have to do an MP10. But the MP lineup, again, I'm only talking about the MP10 because I've never ran the rest compared to the Nero. I don't like the MP10 because it's it's loud. Um, it's very limited to about anything bigger than 10 millimeter glass. It, 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 it'll act up. You really can't run the pump at 100% 
anywhere above 90, since it's so far from the, the opposite, the wet side, it's not a solid, uh, <coughs> the magnet, excuse me, isn't strong enough to really hold it. So anything above like 90, 95%, don't be surprised if one day the dry side is laying on your ground and the pump's not even connected. I've had that happen numerous times. Um, again, towards the high end of the spectrum, anything above 60%, the pump is really loud. Even the quiet drives that I had, I had multiples. They were both pretty loud. I just don't like the flow. It's a very, very narrow, um, concentrated flow. I mean, not as concentrated as like the Jabos and so on. It's wider than those, but still comparing it to the Nero, um, I feel the Nero 5 is a lot quieter. It has a way wider um, spread as far as flow. It, not only that, it makes way more flow than the MP10, um, and it's cheaper. So it, covering all those bases, the only thing, again, that would separate them is having a wire inside versus outside. I've heard two sides of the story. Personally, guys, I do not like the way MP10s look on tanks on the outside. Unless it's on the back, perfect, no problem. On the side, it looks like you got earmuffs on your tank. <laughs> I don't know. It's just me. I don't like it. Um, you know, I don't like it for that reason. I don't like because how it does the flow. And again, I'm not even, I'm not sponsored by aqua illumination i'm not sponsored by gyre i'm not sponsored by <coughs> obviously by uh, ecotech so this is a genuine honest thought on these pumps um and how i feel about them so yeah if it's a smaller than than three foot tank uh i would do nero's uh for sure no doubt about it anything bigger i'd highly consider gyres uh, just because the way they move water and of course mixing them together you know maybe nero's on the back wall on the two sides, having the the gyre, especially the new gyre guys, the, the generation three, with the flow, what is it called? The flow directors. You can literally run these pumps like millimeters off the water line. They will not pull any air whatsoever. I mean, they're really nice. They're really quiet, and they made them so much easier uh, to break down and clean up. So, again, that's that's kind of my thought on those but i'm trying to think if there's any been any other new product they're really i think i don't think 2019 and 2020 we really didn't see i mean 2019 we saw the automatic water testers come out uh for calcium so again the ghl with their khd the on director apex with their trident uh folk um alcatronic was another one um reef reef bot i think was another one so there, there's been quite a few um 2020 guys i i really i haven't heard of much talks a good thing though i think that we're starting to see a lot more a lot more captive bred fish are coming on the market you know aside from clownfish and, and damsels and so on we're starting to see more angels more dwarf angels being bred more tanks so it's really cool it's gonna be a great part uh, to, but a great time to be in the hobby. You know, we can now start sourcing fish from a more responsible than just taking them from the ocean. Aside from them being a lot more probably pest-free and more resilient being captive bred. It's going to be a great, I think, responsible era, a responsible time here in, in 2020 for us to see a lot more captive bred fish in our reef tanks. Another uh, uh, cool thing that happened, I believe I was hearing Indo opened up for corals you can now get a lot more corals you've probably seen torches dropping in price quite a bit i mean you know that ban really drove prices up i mean the the uh blue gold torches were just crazy expensive um i think it got to a point where they're about close to 300 bucks a head <clears throat> so it was 
it was pretty ridiculous, but I think with that ban that was lifted, I think uh, we'll see a lot more torches coming in, uh, the in, you know, from Indo, uh, more importantly, prices uh, coming down. So that's, that's pretty much going to be it as far as the new product um, section here I had uh, planned out for the first part. And kind of the, the, the second part of this podcast, what I wanted to talk about is the size of reef tank. So I don't know if you guys saw the recent video I just put out uh, covering Kimmy's, Kimmy's Lagoon, Kimmy from um, Kimmy's Reef on Instagram. But it was funny. I, was, uh, I mentioned this in the video, but I was thinking of doing a video on this specific topic. And then it's funny, while I was talking to him, he literally mentioned the same exact thing I was talking about. And this thought really started when I talked to CJ from CJ's Aquarium on, on YouTube. But we were chit-chatting. And I remember he set up his 120 gallon and, and we all saw him set it up. He broke it down and he ended up going back to, I believe the JBJ, I think it's a 60 gallon, but I remember having a chat with him and I told him, CJ, I'm thinking of doing a big, you know, over a hundred gallon tank. Like, what's your recommendation? You know, I saw you try it. I saw you go back to 60. Um, what are your thoughts, man? And he pretty much, obviously not word for word, but pretty much said, yeah, the, the big tanks, yeah, they're a lot more stable, but man, when they go south, they go south. And <clears throat> I've really seen this, obviously, I've been now in the hobby for, what, two years? Going on three, actually. Holy shoot, time flies. But anyways, I've, I've helped people set up tanks. I, I've seen tanks set up. I mean, even people that are not around me just watching their journeys. And you'll hear time and time again reefers say oh the bigger the tank the better the better the bigger the tank the more success the bigger the tank the less this the bigger the tank really making it seem like the bigger the tank the more success the less work the less probability of it having issues you're going to have right at least that's the picture that that gets painted into our head (coughs) so i really thought about that and in seeing people Yes, in theory, a bigger tank is easier. A bigger tank is more stable. A bigger tank requires less work, right? Again, keyword here, guys, when it's doing well. <laughs> but you got to remember, a big tank is going to go through same, maybe not the exact same, but similar cycles that a small tank is going to go with. It's going to have its ugly phase. It's going to have its pretty phase. It's going to have its algae phase. It's going to have its this phase, that phase, everything. And there's one thing to keep in mind. When you're, for instance, when you're 10 gallon tank, when you come home and you're having a huge algae outbreak, yeah, it's devastating and all, but guess what? You do, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50% water change, you know, uh, two, three times a week, within three, four weeks, guess what? Your tank's back on track. Now do try doing <laughs> that 40, 50, 30% water change on your 200 gallon tank. Yeah. You're probably going to do it, you know, <laughs> one day, and then you're not going to want to be doing it again. It's it's just a, a lot of work. Same if you have an algae break. An algae break on a little tank, hey, pull out the rock, start scraping it, you know, in a tub, and you're done and done. Try doing that with a huge hundred and something pound rockscape in your big reef tank. You're not doing that. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people are correct that, yes, bigger tanks are easier I'm still, and I've come to the conclusion that a manageable reef tank is about no bigger than than 70 gallons. A manageable reef tank, let me rephrase that. A manageable reef tank for someone that doesn't want to be inputting 
a lot of hours into the reef tank and something you can turn around within two to three weeks is about 70 gallons. That's not saying that, you know, you won't ever have success in a hundred, two, three, four, five hundred gallon tank. There's tons of tanks out there that are humongous and they have plenty of success. So that's not what I'm trying to say. Um, I'm just trying to say that if you're jumping in something that big, it requires a lot of patience and a lot of experience. And, and while I'm on this topic of patience, have you guys ever noticed, and not all of them, but most cases, when you watch a reefer set up a you know 150 plus gallon tank, have you noticed that they wait a very, very long time before they add corals? And in a lot of scenarios, anywhere from four to six months. Have you ever asked yourself why they do that? Well, <clears throat> the reason they do that, because they've understood that a tank will typically hit its ugly algae phase anywhere from month five to month nine, anywhere in there. And sometimes they don't, sometimes they do, but they've also understood that allowing the tank to mature properly, even if you do have an outbreak, it's so much easier to take care of a tank that breaks out when you don't have a bunch of coral because you can do whatever that needs to get done, whether blackout, whether this, whether that, to export the nutrients, get the right bacteria, get the right uh, microalgae, I mean, whatever, to get it back on track. That's why you tend to see that a lot. Because they've learned that not only patience is, is the best way to, to, to have success in this reefing hobby. You know, if something does go south, because again, there's no guarantee, it's easier to manage a reef tank that has no coral. So yeah, again, is that saying that I won't have a big tank? Nope. <laughs> I'm probably going to have a two, 300 gallon tank being built uh, this year or next year. But I know for a fact, when I do do that, I'm going to do... I'm sure you guys saw the bulk reef supply video where they interviewed worldwide corals and they mentioned how they cycle a tank. And one thing that stuck to me, they leave a tank empty for six months. At first I was like, that's crazy. This new tank I, I'm setting up, I left it empty for three, close to four months. And oh my God, it was worth it. It was worth every single part of it. I mean, the rocks to this day, guys, are clean. They're maturing. The glass stays clean. I almost never scrape it. Everybody, every time I post pictures, like, dude, how do you keep this thing so clean? I'm like, just give it time. Mother nature knows how to take care of herself. The problem becomes when a human comes in and tries to play God. You know, that's that's just my take on it. But that's a whole different conversation. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's interesting. That's, that's again, that's just my personal opinion, guys. I, I just believe that a 70-gallon is a nice and manageable reef tank that's not going to take too much time if it goes south. Because um, believe it or not, a lot of us that are newer will get discouraged. You know, if you're doing 40% water changes on a 200-gallon system, I mean, again, you're probably going to do it once. But if you got to do it two, three times a week, you're probably not going to do it because it's just a lot of water lugging, you know, back and forth. So, so yeah, it was, it was, it was just so cool to, <clears throat> to really see that. And as much as people say that small tanks are, oh, they're so difficult, they're blah, 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 there's and that. I mean, a 20-gallon, guys, a tw let's... Let's assume a 20-gallon goes south, right? Let's say you come home one day and there's crazy algae. So we all know that doing water changes is most more than likely going to get you back on track. Doing a 50% water change on a 20-gallon system, that's 10 gallons of water. I mean, that's nothing. That's absolutely not. I can, I can, you know, have that done and mixed, water mixed and emptied and redone within 10, 15 minutes. I mean... It's really not a lot of time. And why, you know, I still tell people to this day that say, oh, small tanks are hard. Well, 
Not really. I mean, doing a big change to get it back to square one is very simple in a small tank. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think if you guys are out there considering on setting something up, I would try to stay in the 15 to 20 gallon range for your first reef tank. You know, the, the, the small, small ones like the five gallons, the 10 gallons, those, eh, they can get kind of finicky. I think a sweet spot is anywhere, you know, about 15, 20, even 25 gallons is, is a very good sweet spot. Um, and if you're trying to go big, you know, try to, you know, do that 70. I mean, if you really must do the 100 gallon, go for it. <clears throat> but you have to learn, guys, that you just need a lot of patience. And if you're going from a small tank, let's say a 30 gallon and wanting to jump into a 150, I'm not saying you can't be done. I'm not saying you won't be successful. But you have to understand that there's going to be hurdles that you have to be a master at overcoming in the small tank. Because if you can't overcome these hurdles in the small tank, what makes you think you're going to overcome them in the 100, 150 gallon tank? It's going to be a lot more difficult. So I guess what I'm trying to say is use your smaller tanks as a learning curve, as a test tank, and as really mastering your maintenance, mastering how to maintain parameters, mastering uh, how to solve algae issues, and, and so on and so forth. So that, that that's kind of it, guys. That's that's really what I wanted to blabber about for these uh, this past, what, 26 minutes it's been. And... It was just on that, guys, just really talking about the tanks because I know a lot of people get on fences when they're they're trying to get their second tank or their third tank. You know, if you're going to go big, I didn't make this to discourage you from a big tank. By all means, do it. But do it and just know that you have to be patient. You, you can't expect to set up a reef tank, for instance, this week, have it cycle within the next two to three weeks, even when, with, <clears throat> with instant bacteria. And within the next month, have it packed of corals, packed of fish, and not expect a huge algae issue within the next few months. Yeah, I mean, you're pretty much setting yourself up for disaster at that point, in my opinion. So, guys, that's going to be it for the, this podcast. I didn't want to go too long, but also wanted to, you know, give you guys a little bit of entertainment here, just kind of my thoughts on, on when it comes to the right size tank, and if bigger is really better. So, guys, we're going to leave this podcast here. Um... Be sure to, you know, if you guys aren't subscribed to my YouTube channel, be sure to check that out, Eat Sleep Brief. I'm also on Instagram, um, Eat Sleep Brief. I also have an Instagram for this podcast, uh, The Reef Talk, but I'm probably going to start merging that to prior, uh, primarily be my Eat Sleep Brief account and just kind of, you know, doing a double post uh, as far as that's concerned. So yeah, guys, if you haven't left a review for my podcast on iTunes. I highly urge you guys to leave me a review. If you've loved it, give me a five star. It really helps me out. And I love hearing um, how you listen to these podcasts and what you guys think. You're also free to send me an email. Um, you can find that on the contact page on thereeftalk.com. Send me an email. I love to hear questions. Maybe on the next episode, I'll be answering one of your questions. I love to hear, hear thoughts of the future topics you guys would like to hear. So we're going to leave this podcast here, guys. I thank each and every one of you very much for watching, or sorry, for listening. As always, happy reefing.